This is Samet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. You there is a Discord server for this podcast. That link is in the show notes. This should be on YouTube if you want to hear it that way. If you like listening to your podcast visually for some reason. That's not how anything works. <laughs> there's a bonus episode for Patreons only where we talk about non-religion-related mm-hmm. things. Usually TV. Yes. And and Jessica's like three minutes away from dying? I cannot tell yeah, right I'm now. I'm so sorry. I Literally since last we spoke... I got immediately extremely sick. That was, if y'all remember, a day after I totaled my car. So I've been sick for 10 days, and then two days ago, my laptop just shit the bed. It's only two years old. So it's been a so everything challenging is dying in here. couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but before we uh, get started, I need to plug, uh, I was on the Nonprofits which is an atheist community of Austin show. It's on YouTube. Nonprofits is N-O-N-P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. It's a fun play on words. Get it. You can see that on Sunday, which is May... Question mark. Fourth. Fifth. Nope, that's June. May <laughs> Way to prepare. Way to prepare. I'm doing my best. You're um, good. And also, um, New York City residents and listeners i am going to be in brooklyn on june 10th i'm having a little meetup um at the hinterlands bar um it is owned by um oh what's that stupid the flop house host stew um and so we're gonna go there and please join us it'll probably be in the evening i'll give you more details when i'm not dying Uh, so hopefully we'll see you guys in a couple months all right, let's let's start. We have two weeks of news to catch up on, and obviously I don't want to dwell uh, yeah. too much on what happened two weeks ago versus stuff that happened now. But um, this oh, may be... Oh, had a rough week in the news, eh? Everyone had a rough yeah. week in everything now. Uh, let's start with this. This is the dumbest story of the week and also the one I want to talk about the most. <laughs> okay. There is a TV show uh, that doesn't appear on TV because that's how TV <laughs> works now. It's a Christian show. It's called The Chosen, and basically it's an HBO-ified version of the life of Jesus. Imagine the Gospels, but told as a miniseries with... Like, like you know, with no <laughs> like sexiness whatsoever, but like all the side characters who in the Bible have no interesting things whatsoever doesn't say you can't give them a storyline. So it's like all it's the cinematic universe of Jesus. That's hysterically over funny. Theoretically seven seasons. And like Jesus only says like four things in the Bible. So like you got to fill up the time with other stuff. I would have so. given anything to be in the room where they pitched Jesus as an epic <laughs> mini series. Like I am imagining that it was written by Aaron Sorkin and it's just a lot of people like walking and talking through the desert really quickly. And yes. like the stakes have never been higher. <laughs> Humanity's soul is at stake. That would, that would be a better Actually, show than that. the one Cut that this out. I'm going to write it fine. It's yours <laughs> and yours alone. So yeah, this, this is, it's aired two seasons that exist. Whoa. I think they're filming the third. Uh, don't worry. Wait, you wait, haven't wait, missed it. Wait, wait, wait. Yep. Stop. Yep. It's, it's been... a ongoing series? They're, they're still we... filming. Is it like we're doing five seasons of this? Or is Seven this like seasons. lost bullshit of like, Seven we don't know. Seven seasons. What... Okay. So they have Theoretically. like... Theoretically. 
a plan in place. Yeah. They're not just like flying up there. I mean, I don't know what like they Dexter. have in store, but uh, they did a fundraising campaign. It wasn't on Kickstarter, but it's just they did their own fundraiser and raised like $10 million, Whoa. which was a big deal. Um, Tell me what it's called again. Uh, the Chosen. It premiered in 2019. And like, honestly, the best thing you could probably say about it is it's not the worst Christian TV show I've ever seen. Listen, that's high praise. But that's about it. Like, okay. I promise you, no one is watching this show. Um, like, if you're a Christian starving for Christian content about Christianity... Even then, you're not binge-watching The Jesus Show. No. But okay. It, the first season's on YouTube, if anyone's interested. The second season is, I'm sure, somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah, I cannot figure out where it's airing. I know. Good luck. I spent minutes trying to figure out <laughs> where it was airing, and even then, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. So anyway, they say we've racked up 200 million views. Mm. Uh, I saw another outlet that said 350 million views, but also I think that includes like Facebook ads that scroll on your newsfeed and you see it, and then you're like, <laughs> nope, just tell me what my neighbor's Ooh, they'll doing. They'll take all of those views. Yep, that counts as a view. Uh, it has a great uh, rating on like Rotten Tomatoes because no critics have seen it. Oh, it's for sale except on for Apple like, TV. <laughs> like two critics have seen it and they're from Christian media and they were like, it's fine. And then like all of their fan has also aired one of that review. And of course, so then it has like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and they're like, yep, see, everyone loves us. I was about it's to like, say, doesn't yeah, quite it's got work that way. 9.4 on IMDb. Yeah, it seems. Dallas Jenkins. Is the creator. We'll, we'll talk what about Dallas name. in a moment. Um, so anyway, now that season three is filming, they're like, time to do another media push mm. and try to get this show in everyone's mind, which is fine. That's what shows have to do. So they put up a bunch of billboards, 70 specifically across the country, mm. that said things like, you see a picture of the guy playing Jesus, and it says like, binge Jesus. Oh Not God, exactly the so catchiest cringy. thing, but okay. Another one says, like, The Chosen, come and see. And it shows, like, Mary or something. Um, Whatever. The billboards don't do anything for me, but whatever. That's fine. They're billboards for right. a TV show. If they get your attention, so be it. But then, about a week after those billboards go up, you saw the same billboards, like, in the same spots mm -hmm. with, like, red graffiti on them. And they <gasps> said things like, chosen sucks. The hoodlums are at it again. Yeah, the chosen, and then in red graffiti, is boring. Another one said, chosen <sighs> sucks. Actually, the actor who I believe portrays Jesus, or at least a main actor in the show, uh -huh. uh, posted a picture of one of those graffitiized billboards and posted on Instagram, when your ex cruises through town and sees your billboard. Because it was, which is, okay, fine. Like, Chosen sucks. I get it. She's mad. Ugh. Funny, funny. Um, you also see people drawing, like, mustaches on the characters. Oh, so Jesus is not in this show. No, no. Jesus is the center point of this well, show. Who plays him? I don't know. Some white dude. Oh, Jonathan Rumi. His All name right. is. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the billboards said, get used to different but the graffiti version of it said, get used to me, the devil. That's how that's how graffiti works. Ooh. And of course, you're watching that and you're like, that's not how graffiti works. No one would put up, no one would vandalize a billboard and say, haha, it's me, the devil. I like, think my favorite part of this is 
the one that says the chosen sucks s u x dot com yeah as if that's how any graffiti works yeah like, like go if, to the website I created specifically for this show yeah and we you know it's hoodlums because they spelled it s u x which is improper grammar um, one of the billboards that was quote unquote vandalized whined about the show's stupid plots another one actually used the phrase poopy butts. Which I that think counts very as a swear. funny for me. Uh-huh. So again, like, it's not just that they supposedly got vandalized. It was boring, weird, low-stakes vandalism. Yeah, it's very stupid. Um, I mean, if you were a real vandal, I'm just saying, had I done this, um, I would have pointed people to lesser-known Bible verses, maybe drawn more scandalous images, maybe just ripped sure. up parts of the sign. I would never do this, but I'm just saying... Uh, those things have happened, by the way, to atheist billboards, sure. <laughs> <laughs> where like they literally threw paint on it so you can't read it, or crossed off words that would change the meaning of the sign. One changed binge Jesus to binge kale. Yeah, lovely. Ew, so it says great. parentheses you. So. 70 billboards were part of this. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 70 billboards in the campaign. 48 of them got defaced. Quote, unquote. Um, and it led to... Okay, so obviously you're watching this and you're like, those didn't really get vandalized. And it didn't take long before the people who are not on their mailing list figured out like, oh, this is part of the marketing campaign sure. for the show. The show made these billboards and the show change the billboards to suggest yeah. they were vandalized. A marketing play that's been done before and, yes. be- and better. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, what... Okay, I don't mind the marketing campaign that makes fun of your own thing. I mean, famously, Chick-fil-A I does just that. just say Chick-fil-A. Like, you the know, cows. the cows begging, you know, begging for their lives by asking you to eat a different animal. It's, it's cute. cute. It's adorable. Because cows are tortured. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I still eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I get the Bunch strategy of. behind it, but also... If you go down to, like, what are they actually trying to do here? They're trying to promote the idea that their Christian show was being persecuted Mm. by these anti-Christian zealots, which kind of goes to show, like, no one would actually do that because Christians aren't persecuted. And so, like, this idea that people hate you so much, like, buddy, we don't hate you. We don't hate your show. We don't think about your show because your show isn't interesting. No, it is not part of the zeitgeist (laughs) or the cultural conversation. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's the thing. And it's like, oh, you think, like, you're pretending to be persecuted because no one would Mm. actually care about your show enough to vandalize your actual billboards. No, somebody vandalized a yellow jackets billboard <laughs> then i am hitting the streets <laughs> so dallas jenkins like you said the creator of the show he actually did a live stream i think this week where he said this i made a big mistake i want to apologize to you who are watching there's there's no one watching i want to apologize <laughs> to you who are watching who saw those billboards as a core passionate loyal fan of the show and felt defensive of the show And didn't know that this was us. Didn't know that this is part of the marketing campaign. Basically saying, we're sorry we misled you, but also you're pretending Christians are persecuted and people thought, my religion is under attack. Like, no, it's really not at all. That is so funny that his reading of it is... You guys were so mad that people did like vandalized your favorite show. <laughs> You're so upset about this. Not that like some Christians actually thought people were like vandalizing a Christian thing. Like his 
either he doesn't realize why people are upset or he is... I mean, if you live in a bubble where you raised millions of dollars for your show... Sure. And then you've spent years working on your show, I'm sure you think everyone's watching your show. Have you ever seen, like, late-night talk shows where a B-list actor on a show no one's watching on, like, TNT comes mm-hmm. on? And they're like, well, on our show, there's this really intense plot line involving these things. And it's like, buddy, no one knows what you're talking about. Like, somebody shows up and it's like, Burn Notice, season nine. Like, yeah. what? I yeah. thought that show was on the air 20 years ago. But they don't ago. just say Burn Notice. They're like, remember the plot line on Burn Notice where... <laughs> this thing happens yeah. like no no one knows what you're talking you're about misreading the room that's what this guy's doing but anyway you said the name is interesting because yeah. okay it is this guy's dad is Uh-oh. jerry b jenkins who happens to be one of the co-authors of the left behind series which is all to say the idea uh, the myth of christian persecution and people coming after you is kind of their family's Oh, it's like a whole family of people who can monetize Christianity, (laughs) just like Jesus wanted. Yes. Um, (laughs) So like, if I have this right, in an effort to convert people to Christianity, which is really the thing their show is all about, his team perpetuated one of the core lies that end up pushing people away from Christianity, because we all know you're lying about it, this false narrative that Christians are victims of senseless attacks by non-Christians, when the truth is Christians are doing far more to attack non-Christians than the other way around, by a long shot in the U.S. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy the show is finally known for something. I'm just skimming through these. Get used to different difference crossed out and it says me parentheses the devil I, like i said it's not you can't even Capital look at this D, the devil I, I think i saw comments saying like this graffiti is too neat <laughs> to be graffiti which I mean, it is because like they computer generated right. the images or something i oh boy i don't want to say that Christians have a persecution co- complex but truly a child can look at those billboards and know that <laughs> Like a forty-five-year-old man did that, not like <laughs> like a teen, a youth ruffian. Like, is that the biggest news story in the world right now? No. I would argue, yes. It's the <laughs> only one that matters, and yeah. the only thing I want to talk about for the next several weeks. It's just—I mean—it's all of the things that we love. It, the stakes <laughs> could not be lower. It is like conservatives showing once again they have no understanding of like style or design. <laughs> It is Christians leaping to the worst possible conclusion over the dumbest thing. Like, it's just everything that makes a really good, friendly atheist story. And so thank so you, we for, thank you. Yes. For, for bringing this to us, Dallas Those McCormick. What's his name? Dallas, Dallas Rains. Jenkins, Jenkins. Who's Dallas Rains? Is that a real person? I have no idea what 70s <laughs> porn star you were thinking <laughs> no, of I think it's when a, you say that. Like an L.A. meteorologist. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to jump to a much more serious story. This week, the Supreme Court heard the case involving a football coach in Washington who basically said, you know, God's telling me I need to pray after games. Hey, by the way, let me send out some press releases while I do this. Mm. And then after the football games, again, public high school, he's an assistant coach. After the game ended, he would go to midfield, like Jesus commanded, Uh and kneel and start praying. And of course, everyone would surround him and stuff. And then the school said, you can't do that. Like, this, you're basically proselytizing on our time. 
Um, students might be pressured into joining you because they want to get on your good side because you're a coach. And the school basically said, look, if you want to pray, we will give you space to pray. And he's like, no, I don't want to pray in private. Like, no one's going to see me. And isn't that what praying is all about? (laughs) And then they're like, okay, we're going to put you on paid leave while we sort through the legal issues here. Mm. And then he didn't sign a contract renewal and then he went around saying, they fired me, you guys. That's they literally happened, did not fire him, but yes. that's the headline. He got fired. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Joe Kennedy is this guy's name. This is Bremerton High School in Washington. And we've been talking about this guy for like six years now. Yeah. He doesn't even live in Washington State, <laughs> which literally is a reason some people are like, why is the Supreme Court taking this case? Yeah. He doesn't he even live. Anymore, the right? case is moot. Why are we doing this? And it's because even though every single court, like the first time this he filed a lawsuit over this, like a lower judge is like, yeah, you lose. You, you're yeah. the one breaking the rules here, not the school. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, well, I'm going to appeal. And the appeals court's like, yeah, no, you have no case here. And then he's like, well, I'm going to go to the Supreme Court. Even the conservative at the time 5-4 Supreme Court is uh-huh. like, None of you can agree on the facts here. Right. And because there's so many questions up in the air about who did what to who, like, you're making this really hard on us. So even the Supreme Court's like, no, we're not taking this on. So he sued again. And then the lower court judge is like, you still have nothing. What are you doing? Then he appeals it. And the appeals court's like, you still have nothing. Every court says you lose and this time, because now the facts are kind of more settled, okay. the Supreme Court's like, well, we're 6-3 now. All right, we'll take your case now. So That's d- what they heard this Did week. they do that kind of telegraphing thing of like, we can't take your case as is? Yes, yes, but, they literally I feel like we've done that. that a couple times, yeah. right? Of they like, this abortion you, law isn't going to do it. If but you settled if you, these things, yeah. then we would take it up. And they did. Okay. And that's why it's scary. Because it's like, we know what the basics of this is. He's arguing, yeah. like, they are religious discrimination. It's a case of religious discrimination against me. Because I'm a Christian who wants to pray. And this school is stopping His me from doing it. Religious discrimination is just, they won't do let me do whatever I want, whenever yeah. I want it, wherever I want to do it. Again, That's to be clear, discrimination. could he Sorry, pray dog. silently? Yeah, always. No one's stopping you. Could he pray in a locker room privately, mm-hmm. even on school time or whatever? Yeah, mm-hmm. the school was willing to make whatever accommodation he needed in that sense. But again, this is not about praying. This is not about Jesus. This is not about his God. This is about him saying the only prayer that counts is the one everyone gets to see because that's my religion now. Uh-huh. And like, what Bible verse are you citing? Shut up. I know my religion. My Again, this Supreme Court says if you say it's your religion, mm-hmm. we can't argue you, so anything goes. Can I pitch something that I really think will solve a lot of problems that we have on the table right uh-huh. now? What? If we pitched um, like breast pumping rooms mm-hmm. in offices as also prayer rooms for Christians, that way we have these two forces working for the same thing, which is a small, private, comfortable space where they can do the things they need to do. Um, maybe if we can get them on board for this, we can see a lot more spaces for like you know people who need to to pump. Do you think that will uh, 
land that will anywhere. never land anywhere I mean, because I'm a cross on the floor. While the on people the wall, wanting to use nice breast couch. pumps want privacy, uh, this guy does not want let's privacy. It, let's pitch it to you like, hey, buddy, it seems like you have run out of places to pray. I am so sorry. Let us <laughs> designate this, place for, this space for you. The only space in the school is the football you. field. Yeah. Even, you know, surrounded. let him go pray on stage. Just let him do it every right. day at like, you know, 5.30 p.m. and nobody's there. <laughs> nope, nope. Give he, him a stage. Give him a whole fucking theater. It doesn't count. God's not listening oh. unless you have the spotlight on you. I do That's forget the way it works. that God has very specific limitations to what he can or cannot yeah. hear. The district said, we basically, after we didn't renew this guy's contract, why not? Because one, he wasn't supervising his players at the time, which is his one job <laughs> after a game. Like, listen, I'm a coach. After our competition days are done, it is still my responsibility to get them home on the bus. (laughs) It is still my responsibility to make sure they're back home, like they get in a car with their parents. And then... You mean the minors whose care you're interested in? And then my coaching time is done. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this guy, the second the last whistle blows... The game's not over for you as a coach. You're still on the clock. And they're like, so one, he's not supervising his players. And two, reasonable observers might think that what he's doing midfield represents school-sponsored religion. And we don't want to play that game. We want to do the right thing here. And this is what this case was basically about. Um, Like Alito... Uh, Alito had said, who's conservative, said, like, the prayers might be okay if you could prove you were off duty. This is what he said the first time when they said, so, like, when they're telegraphing what we need, they're like, can you just show us you're not on the clock and then maybe we can take this case? He also said, if the district interfered with the free speech rights of public school teachers, maybe you're giving us more to work with here. And basically, those are the facts, quote unquote, that they tried to solidify this time around. So, like... uh, Hang on just a second. The judge said that this is when they rewrote this history of what happened here. Yeah, for part two. Uh um, They said, all right, we're suing now. All this stuff is in session. The first judge, the district court judge said, and I'm quoting here, his prominent habitual prayer is not the kind of private speech that is beyond school control. Yeah, this doesn't count. Buddy. Still. Nice work. Succinct. Was the district within its right not to renew his contract? Yes, the judge said. The greatest threat posed by his prayer is its potential to subtly coerce the behavior of students attending games voluntarily or by requirement, hmm. which is what atheists have been saying, which sure. is what the church-state separation side has been saying. Sure. Um, one of the judges at the appellate level said, although there are numerous close cases chronicled in the Supreme Court's and our current establishment clause case law, this case is not one of them. Huh. This isn't close. What you're doing is wrong. Um, so, again, so what happened uh, this week? By the way, his lawyer uh, with First Liberty, which is a conservative legal group, mm-hmm. here's what they said about Joe Kennedy. Nobody should be fired from their job for just being he religious. He wasn't fired for being religious. He wasn't fired for being religious. He wasn't even fired. And he wasn't fired for being a Christian. He was fired for like this showboating, coercive, like everyone look at me prayer that, <sighs> listen, if a Muslim coach tried to do any of this shit, yeah. it would have been shut down forever oh ago. Why? Could you imagine? It's truly all of these lawsuits are just a dude who has not gotten his explicit way every step of the moment, and he loses his fucking mind. Let me about tell it. you some other stuff that'll piss you this. off. He well, said, yeah. and this is in every article about this guy, Joe Kennedy, he mm. said, I just wanted to do a quote 
brief, quiet prayer. In the middle of the football field, sir? Yep. Uh, He literally promoted what he was doing in local media. He (laughs) He urged his own football players to let the other team know what he was going to do after the game so that they could join him. Um, By the way, that midfield prayer eventually became, and I'm quoting here, a 500-person stampede that injured multiple people. No, Uh I didn't get that little factoid. Uh And it's not like these prayers were after the game. In fact, law professor Carolyn uh, Malacorbin said he simply would not have had access to either the team or the football field but for his job. Yeah. So, like, if he was off the clock, he wouldn't be allowed on of the course. field. So, of course, he was on the clock. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Of like, as somebody <laughs> who has been a coach, like, obviously, you guys don't have, like, set hours. But is it, what is, like, in your contract? Is it, like, whenever you're on school grounds, you're, or, like, how do they prove whether a teacher is on or off duty? Because I feel like, yeah, regardless, I mean, that's if a nebulous at, setting because yeah. there is no time constriction right. to when you're a coach. But, like, if I'm in a school, if I'm in the school building for yeah. practice, whatever time I'm there, mm-hmm. I only have the keys because I'm a coach. So if yeah. I'm in there, I think it's safe to say I'm doing coach stuff. Right. Um, and if I'm not, we got a problem because why the hell am I in there? You know what I mean? Oh, totally. So again, um, so the questions when you're listening to the oral <laughs> arguments this week, it's like, I know everyone, everyone pretty much looking at this case is like, of course what this dude did is over the line. Right. The question is, what is this court, this conservative court, going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And they're listening to the questions. Here's what's interesting. Brett Kavanaugh, of all people, asked this. He said... Um, uh, I want to make sure I get this right. He asked Kennedy's lawyer, the conservative lawyer, uh-huh. Brett Kavanaugh, said, okay, hypothetically, I'm paraphrasing here, like, what if a player felt compelled to join Kennedy at midfield because he thought he needed to in order to pray? Like, wouldn't that be a problem? And, and the response was... Kavanaugh said that? Kavanaugh said that. He's like... Um, by the way, Slate even, was it Slate or, uh, yeah, Slate had a headline that basically said that was a good Kavanaugh, question. Supreme Here's the headline Court from Slate. The best question. Reasonable question. Yeah. The best question headline. during today's school prayer arguments came from dot, 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 <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh. And by the way, the response was basically, Meh, eh, it's fine. We're not coercing anybody. It's just so impossible the, to pretend that a coach does not inherently have some sort of coercive ability. The response from the lawyer was team. literally this. If any coach or teacher does it, coerce these students, shame on them and they should be punished. Oh, but again, no, one's, no one is doing this midfield prayer saying, you guys, you better come join me or else. And this is it's always subtle. It's implicit. And that's always how they get away with things like this because they aren't willing to like understand like sort of the tacit effect that your coach is going to have or what, like Jesus, if you... God, you were a high school dork. Like, yep. what dumb shit did you do to try to impress your coaches and your teachers? I mean, like... I mean, I'm thinking of, like, a lower stakes version of what this is. Uh-huh. And it's like, if I knew my teachers, if I had to write an essay for English class, mm-hmm. and it's like, but I can choose the topic. Well, if I wanted to, I could choose a topic I know sure. the teacher's going to really like instead of what I want to write about. Oh, I've never I mean, done that hypothetically. before fucking life. But you could. <laughs> like, that's the point. Like, you would hope that doesn't happen. Sure. And, like, it's not like the teacher is going to say, well, you can write about anything 
anything, but really, you got to write about this. But in this case, that's the point. It's coercive because he's not saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. But by the way, uh, Sotomayor and Elena uh, Kagan pointed out that parents said their sons felt pressure to join this coach on the field because he didn't want to get on the guy's bad side. So what it's is not even hypothetical. This happened. I was gonna when he said, "What if this happened?" I wanted to say, "There's absolutely no chance in hell that it is not happening all the time." And what are the students going to do? Say, and "Well, I feel bad that? about this." They just they elided just, it. They didn't talk about it. God, like I remember, I was in a play, and before opening night, not through school, through a different place, but we did. It was opening night, and all of a sudden, I was like in a circle, and everybody was praying, and I was like. This is terrible. I was like 16. I was like, this fucking sucks. But like, that wasn't my high school teacher. I mean, here's what's scary. The court could say, look, if the guy wants to practice his religion after a game or something, the the school can't stop him, even if it's coercive in this regard. Mm -hmm. And that would open the floodgates to all kinds of Christian coaches leading prayers, doing these showboaty prayers and students being pressured into saying, yeah, this is fine. I'm going to join you here because, of course, they want playing time. It could lead to scholarships. Like, it doesn't matter about the religious side of things. And if they're clearly not religious, they don't want, like, to rock the boat. Why get yeah. on the coach's bad side? Yeah. That could open the door. That's like a worst case scenario thing. Well, and if you think about, like, you know, I've seen, like, five episodes of Friday Night Lights, and there's places in this country where, like, the football team is the shit, and, like, that is everybody's focus all the time. And so when you layer that, the pressure of that on top of a coach who is maybe stepping over a line, like religiously speaking, it's just a fucking mess. Uh, Neil Gorsuch, who's also obviously conservative, but has weird moments where he takes a liberal side. He's asked, you know, should we send this case back down to lower courts and asking them not to focus on whether this was like a school endorsement of religion and was the school wrong to get rid of this guy because they said he was endorsing religion when he wasn't. Um, should should we send it back down and say, why don't you just talk about the coercion factor? Because mm. maybe that's a different issue we should be looking at instead okay. of this other one. So he's asking about that. Like, there's so many, there's no clear, the fear is not that this is going to be a, you're going to get rid of it, or it's like the abortion case. Yeah. It's not that they're necessarily going to say Roe v. Wade is overturned. Mm-hmm. It's that they're going to effectively make abortion I mean, impossible to get in states where you can't get it. Yeah. And that would be just as bad. It's the same thing without saying the words. Right. And that's the fear. Like, what are you going to say here? Are you going to limit it to what this guy did? Right. The Freedom From Religion Foundation even said, Joe Kennedy sold his home in Washington and moved to Pensacola, Florida. A Florida resident cannot sue a Washington school district over its policies. You have an out, Supreme Court. You could just say, sorry, this case doesn't count, and just be done with it. And then no one's going to be mad either way because you're not ruling on the merits. We're giving you that out. The Americans United for Separation of Church and State, which represented the school district, Mm -hmm. said, if the Supreme Court gets this case wrong, we could witness the greatest loss of religious freedom in in generations. Mm -hmm. And again, I have no idea what they're going to say because the conservatives were asking very different questions to say, like, how should we rule? And honestly, all the coverage I saw after the oral arguments this week is like, we're pretty sure they're going to rule for the coach in favor of the coach because, of course, they are. It's this court. What we can't figure out is exactly what they're going to say because that's not clear 
And it's not like they were all leaning in the same direction here. Because you can rule on this thing and say, this guy wins. He has a right to do something. But what that something is, is very much up for debate. And who knows? It's it, The question is, how big of a hole mm-hmm. in the wall of separation do you want to blow? Right. And I don't know the answer, and it's scary to think they kind of have free reign to do whatever the hell they want. Can you imagine being like Elena Kagan on this court right now and like just with all of these people who are absolute fucking buffoons and doing all of this like political theater and posturing, and she's just like... I just, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure people had rights. I don't, <laughs> how did this happen? I don't, right. like, do you think Elena Kagan went to fucking law school so she could defend a dude who wants so to be in the middle of a football field sometimes? Yeah. Like, it's just <clears throat> stupid and pointless and I such know. a fucking waste of time and money. How much money has been spent on this? So much. So but much fucking To be money. fair, it's nonprofit groups that are re- taking on these cases because it's a cause that oh, they're no, fighting no, no. for. I understand. But still, yeah, it's a lot of but money. that money is this coming is from somewhere. multiple years lawsuit. Yeah, these nonprofits are using their time and money, like, their their manpower to fight this case in court over several years. I just don't understand why this is the one that they're like, why did this? There is, there is a story. Uh, remember the, oh shit, the case eludes me, but the, the case, the Lawrence v. Texas case okay. that said if people are having, uh, if two men are having sex, you, it's in the privacy of their own home and stuff. Like, oh, sure. That can't be illegal. They overturned the sodomy bans, right. basically. Right. And the thing is, if you see the end result of the case, the story was that these two guys were arrested for having sex mm-hmm. in their home, mm-hmm. and the police came in and gave them a ticket for that. <laughs> and that was the case. And it's like, that's insane. Yeah. And the court overturned it. When the reality is, one, we don't even actually know if they were having sex. They kind of didn't even really like each other for a lot. They didn't know each other well. And, like, these are not the two plaintiffs you would have gone with if you had to dream up a case. Sure. Because they have so many problems. And one of the things they were told as this case is going through the courts Uh is, listen, we need you two to never talk to the media because, no, you're not going to do us sure, any favors. yeah. And there's a whole book. That's only uh, losing shit there, yeah, right? Like yeah, like Dale Carpenter, a law professor, wrote a book about the case mm. where he kind of explained, like, these are not the two plaintiffs you would have gone with. Some of the uh, Obergefell mm-hmm. was a wonderful plaintiff Great because plaintiff. the story tugs at your heartstrings. Yeah. He lost his partner, yeah. uh, couldn't even be there for him because of the law. Mm-hmm. These two guys, not the guys you would have gone with. And that's the thing. Like, if you want to fight religious liberty, religious freedom cases, mm-hmm. Joe Kennedy and his showboating on the football field is honestly one of the worst per people you could have gone with yeah. because there's no ambiguity here. Right. But obviously the conservative court wants him to win because right. of course they do. What? How bad are they going to do this? I don't know. It's scary to think like, it's the same thing with the abortion thing. Like yeah. you could do whatever you want. And the scary thing is how much, how many people do you want to hurt? Yeah. That's the question that remains up in the air until they decide what they're going to do. That just makes me think of like when Jody Aris, Arias's defense lawyer was like, I don't even like this bitch, but she didn't do it. Like, <laughs> like they're just like, yeah, yeah, bud. I don't know. Yeah, they're terrible. We think so too, but still. <laughs> I'm going to 
jump to another. Here, this is a happier story. We'll enjoy this. Happier uh, than Jody Harris's yes. lawyer making fun of her to her face. Which is excellent. Um, Florida <laughs> Republicans, as you know, have been on a crusade with Ron DeSantis, the governor, to basically push like a mega agenda. And everyone, don't say gay bill and everything. They also basically um, are trying to... coming with that fucking saw, you guys. We're cutting you off soon. They're trying to give public school districts the ability to ban books from the districts if they are considered too woke, quote unquote. How do they phrase it? Um, I don't know. But it like, do they frame it around it's too progressive or is it just anything that you find problematic? challenging is... to, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, famously children shouldn't be challenged. Hundreds of books <laughs> have been eliminated from public school districts across the state because mm. of this. Uh, the books are fine, by the way. They might be controversial. They may have scenes in there mm. of gay people like exploring sure. or rape or incest because those are themes that occur in classic novels. Mm-hmm. Um, but and nope, in the they, world. Republicans do not want kids to encounter those ideas because if they never hear about the gays, yeah. they'll never become one because that's how it works. So enter... Uh, Chaz Stevens, who is an activist I've known for a while now, this is a guy who's put up Festivus polls in yeah. uh, Florida Capitol building. Sure. He put up a Distrestivus poll that looked like Donald Dis- Trump. Distrestivus. Uh, he also put an image of an upside down Jesus with a butt plug outside City Hall just to piss everyone off. Uh, he once hired uh, someone to wear a costume of a giant penis with Donald Trump's head outside of a building where a presidential debate was taking place. That's extremely funny. Stirring the pot in ways that it's like, not what I would have gone with, but No, I I like a low stakes prank though. (laughs) So not everything has to be like the Baphomet statue. We can just send out somebody who looks like a penis. So what's going on now? Well he sent letters to the superintendents of some of the biggest uh, school districts in the state, including including the school districts in Broward County, Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach County. Um, and he basically, I'm going to read you a bit of this. I wish to file such an objection requesting the Broward County public school system immediately remove the Bible from the classroom, library, and any instructional <laughs> material. <laughs> Additionally, I seek the banishment of any book that references the Bible. <laughs> Which is, by the way, all literature. Uh-huh. And as is often the case with banned books, I ask your agency, lay flame to that giant stack of fiction in a pyre worthy of a Viking send-off. Yeah! <laughs> and then in his several-page letter, he goes on to explain why the Bible is not in age-appropriate, because it, Is it quote, the rape? Is it the murder? Is it, it the cutting yeah. babies in half? It ca- casually references such topics as adultery and fornication, mm. including scenes of bestiality and rape mm. and Promotes, quote, wokeness from Jesus. Uh, (laughs) He also says it might remind, quote, young white students about civilization's sordid past. (laughs) Is he trolling them? The answer is, yeah, of course he's trolling them. But again, his point is that it's a stupid challenge to make, but so are all these other ones. And if you're going to get rid of those books, well, guess what? This one's got to go, too. Um, he actually yeah. explained to the Miami New Times, if they're going to ban books, then the whole library should be in play. My hope, and it's a long shot, is that they will apply their own standards to themselves and ban the Bible. I love this. I and then they're hope like, it works. You know they're not going to respond to your letter, right? And he said, they better not fucking ignore me. If they ignore me, doesn't that tell you something? <laughs> what does it tell me? 
Oh, that, that they're, they're picking him? and choosing which oh, religions are okay. That's extremely I mean, funny. I was looking Good at the him. list of banned books in one of the districts that he sent a letter to. Mm. They included Kite Runner, <laughs> which includes a scene of rape, which is central to the plot. I've but it's such it. a good book. Uh, Beloved by Toni Morrison is, is on that list. Um, just Oof, Beloved insane. is one of the most evocative books I have ever read. It's so obs- I, oh, I still think about the choke cherry tree all the time. Yeah. And her back from the the whips. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What else did they ban? Mouse, probably. Yeah, That's a popular one. That was on one. the list. Yep. Um, I mean, and it? just to be clear, the best outcome here is not to ban the Bible. It's yeah. not to ban any of these books and give teachers the leeway the ne- they need mm-hmm. to teach good literature to students that pushes them, challenges them, lets them explore a world that they might not be familiar with. And if you're dumb enough to think reading about this stuff is going to make them want to try it, yeah. that's not how gay works. That's not how <laughs> any of this stuff works. That's not how gay works. Oh. I mean, Jesus. When I was in second grade, there is a <laughs> book, uh, like Babysitter's Club Little Sister, and there was one that like a seven-year-old had a fake wedding on the playground and I was in like second grade and we read it together like it was so saucy because Hemant they kissed on the cheek. What? <laughs> Whores. Anyway, kids will be will pretend anything is salacious. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is a disturbing one. This oh, is good. in Alabama. Um, So you know that's going to end well. Um, There's a woman named Elena Browning. Mm -hmm. She is, uh, she has a child with her husband. Mm -hmm. They have a stable income, a nice home. They've been foster parents in the past. Mm -hmm. On paper, they're like, if you wanted to, if they wanted to adopt a kid and you were the agency, you'd be like, oh my God, everything looks amazing Mm -hmm. on paper. No red flags. Please adopt. Because a kid would be safe and loved in your home. Yeah. This and was that was a, the idea. They have a biological child. They have foster kids. They said, we feel like we could do more. We want to adopt a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, they knew it was going to be complicated. It always is. Mm-hmm. But they were qualified. But it turns out they reached out to the Alabama Family Adoption Services, which is actually a private child placement agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it was one of the few that was not faith-based, and in Alabama, even faith-based adoption agencies that are private, they still get state money to do right. the work. Right. Because Alabama, like any state, wants to see kids adopted. And if mm-hmm. you know, Christian families have, are able to facilitate that, fine. Here are the rules. Go ahead. You can use your faith to guide you along the way. Right. But also, yeah, help get these kids adopted. Right. Uh, there's issues I have with that system. But okay, that's the system we have. So she reaches out to Alabama Family Adoption Services saying they're not a faith-based company. That's good because we're not people of faith. Um, And they basically go through um, and they say, you know, we want to adopt. Can we work with you Mm -hmm. to get the process started? And she said up front, because why hold this back? They said, is our non-religiosity going to be a problem? I think her husband's an atheist. She's agnostic. Mm Um, but that's about it. Like yep. everything else is there. She was told by the woman running it, Susan Wyatt, I'm sorry, we could not work with you. We're not specific about one's faith, saying you could be anything you want. But the biological families that we work with do request that our adoptive families have a spiritual life. Hmm. And I want to unpack that for a second. Yeah. The lady running this place is saying, listen, I don't care but it's a waste of our time to work with you, basically, mm-hmm. not because we have anything against atheists, but because all these women who have babies and give them up for adoption, all of them say, put my child in a home. 
with people of faith. One, because it's Alabama. That's going to be a typical thing you're going to hear. Um, but also, and she made it clear to a local news reporter, like... Well, she said 99% of the, the people who are adopting children say that they want somebody of faith, right? She uses... Uh, who give their kids up for adoption. Yes, excuse me. Say, yes, yes I, sorry, I, wanna, I, I want the baby with a family that has which faith. Which 99% feels like a specific and made-up number. <laughs> well, which, she, she said, the, this is Wyatt, who ru- Susan Wyatt, who runs that agency. She said, in the cases that we found in 36 years, most... Uh, 99% was my number, not hers. But she said most... There's a quote from her that says Okay, Most of our mothers come to us asking that the adoptive families have a belief system. We've placed children with Jewish families. We did have an Indian family. Yeah, that one one brown family. They're not racist either. She added, like, I don't think we've ever had a Muslim family. (laughs) Basically implying we wouldn't have a problem with it if someone was cool with that. We just, in Alabama, don't have a lot of Muslims coming to us. Yeah. But she's basically saying, I don't have anything against atheists, but like, why would we waste our time working with families and vetting them and spending all this time and money going through the process when it turns out there's not going to be anyone that wants to give their child to you, which I kind of see what she's saying, but also I would argue too bad work with them because look at them on paper. They look amazing on paper. This couple does. Their family is amazing. And I think if a lot of mothers knew, hey, your kid that you're giving birth to right now Mm -hmm. is going to be in a loving home with these resources and this couple, Mm -hmm. even they might just say, oh, you know what? I used to think family of faith was high on the list of things I need. Mm -hmm. But you know what? This family seems amazing. And that might be fine. By not presenting that option to people, Mm -hmm. they just, I think people have this assumption, faith is a virtue. I want my kid in a godly home Mm -hmm. because that's going to be good for the kid. And they don't realize, no, it's fine. You can be with a godless home and they're still going to be loved and raised with morals and values and all of that. And by not presenting that option to adoptive uh, uh, to parents giving their kids up for adoption, mm-hmm. you're basically not giving them a choice and then coming back and saying, no one wants this. Yeah. It's like, you don't know that. It's like selling people like cherry Coke when they're only used to diet Coke. or right. Like they don't know they want it. Give right. them the option, let them try it. And guess what? You're going to find a lot of people like it. And her unwillingness to even like take this case on is just perpetuating that stereotype of, oh, atheists aren't adopting, atheists aren't good people because they're not even letting the door. I want to read the quote. Um, so this is um, in response to Browning's uh, allegation that she was discriminated against. Wyatt said, well, and Hemet, don't worry, this is going to be cool and chill and reasonable. Well, I'm the mother of two adopted children, and I believe that these children are gifts from God. I wouldn't be a mother or a Mimi if it wasn't for two women who carried our children to term and gave them to us as a gift. We're not in charge of where these babies go. God is. And it's the mother's choice. And 99% of those families uh, talk about faith. Yeah. Um... Let me add one more thing to that mix. Kudos to uh, Lee Hedgepeth of CBS News, a local affiliate there, because Lee asked Susan Wyatt, well, like, theoretically, if you had an adoptive family giving up a child, sorry, if a birth mother Mm -hmm. wanted her child to be placed in a secular home, then you would be fine with it, right? Uh Uh-huh. 
And the answer there at that point should have been like, well, yeah, if they told us they wanted it, of course we would help it. Right. That's not what Susan Wyatt said. She said she's unsure whether her agency would facilitate an adoption for a birth mother who, for example, expressed a preference for a non-religious home. She and her husband, who co-owns the agency, Mm -hmm. would have to discuss the issue. Like giving away the game right there. What is there to discuss exactly, do you think? What you're saying is it's not about the birth mother's preference. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is maybe you have a preference and maybe you don't like atheists and you don't think they're good people. And maybe (laughs) you need to discuss. What's the end result of this? The end result is you have a family that wants to adopt a child that would be. Excellent. Again, on paper, they look like a, the sort of family you wish would adopt kids because they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say like, yeah, no, you're just off the list. Yeah. That means one kid's not getting a family that could really benefit all sides involved. Yeah. It's not that the kid won't get adopted by somebody necessarily. But I'm just saying like you're taking a perfectly good family off the list yep. because you have your own prejudice in mind. Yeah. And I think... Um, Basically, there's no children in need of homes in in the United States, specifically in the American South, right? Like, none, there's no none. children who are in desperate need of a loving family who can take care of them and give them the stability they need. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that we take off perfectly good candidates because there is just an infinite number of functional homes <laughs> with appropriate parents who won't abuse the children and give them, and will actually give them some kind of good life. So infuriating. So... Good for Alabama. God, just like Jesus would have wanted. He, I think his, fa- his big quote was, bless the starving child as long as their parent is Christian because if their parent is atheist, then fuck them. Right. Was that what he said? That's, I think that's the motto of the state. Okay. Well, that's so, neat. Yeah. That's nice. You know what we didn't talk about that happened like two weeks ago? That Is I, it the devil club? No. Nope. The Satan, no. Satanist? It's the fuck. Christians who sang on a plane. Did you see this? I thankfully saw that and thought to myself, thank fucking Christ we're not recording this week because (laughs) you cannot pay me enough to listen to this Mm -hmm. motherfucker with his guitar. Yeah. So the story is the video that was circulating online was about 30 seconds. I still haven't watched it. You're not missing anything. It's 30 seconds long and basically you see a TikTok or different forms of the video where on a plane that is in midair... These you see like a Christian in the aisle singing and another Christian in the aisle with a guitar out singing worship music. I would be out and then that a, emergency then window chorus so of, fast. Chorus of people standing up in their seats. I assume seatbelt sign is off. Chorus of people standing up singing along. And as the camera's panning, the the subtitles put on there by the people posting this, worshiping Jesus 30,000 feet in the air. And like... We, we are doing this. And then you see one dude with this look on his face like, what the hell is going on? He's so angry I about this. I would have been furious. Yeah. Um, for, uh, from everything I've seen, this was not some, because this is the excuse I heard from some people. <clears throat> Maybe this is a charter flight taking a, like a mission trip overseas. Oh, I assume so it's a mission group of some kind. They might. They are. But the plane was not like private plane bought by a mission group to send Christians. So, like, of course, it's all Christian all the time. There's regular humans who like silence on that plane. That's what it is. And it's like, listen, if a baby cries on a plane, that's the dude's reaction in the seat who's like, what the hell's going on here? But a baby can't control it. The dude with the guitar absolutely can control himself. And what I was trying to figure out is like, okay, 
uh, let's assume for a second everything they did was legal and they had approval. One of the things they said... Uh, what airline was it? it? That's a good question. What I have out. heard but haven't been able to fully confirm is it's called EasyJet Airlines, which is something in Europe. Uh, like one of those... Oh, uh, like a Ryanair low, kind of. Yeah, Like those yeah. cheap... Um, that they have out there. But one of the TikToks said, like, we asked... It was, the, in the, it was in Europe. Yeah. We asked the flight oh. attendant if we could do the song on the plane, and she said, I'm paraphrasing here, she said, let me go ask the pilot. And the pilot said, it's fine. And then he announced them over the intercom system, and then we sang for everybody. I would fling myself from that plane. I would be <laughs> like that episode of The Twilight Zone where William Shatner just loses his fucking mind. That would be me. Or have you ever seen Animal House? Is that a long time ago? You know the thing with Jim Belushi, John Belushi. That is Whoops, mixed him up. Yeah. John Belushi and the guys playing the guitar, and he smashes the guitar. That would be something. Yeah. I would steal it. I would just steal that guitar. I heard but, many Animal House references. With oh yeah, this story. that was but an some original. Of the, some <laughs> of the questions. <laughs> a lot of people thought about that. Yeah. Some of the questions with this, like one, who thought this would be a good idea? Why aren't you able to read the room? Because all I see ever. I I only see the dude with the look on his face like I want to die right now. (laughs) And they missed it entirely, apparently. Do they understand that like any time, I don't care what time of day it is, if you're on a plane, there are people who like if you're like me, a plane is the one time in my life when I literally cannot use my phone. Uh So I don't have a phone. I might sleep. Yeah. I, I sleep a lot on planes. I don't care what time of day it is. I read. I might read. Like, that's my calm time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to the person next to me. Absolutely it's lovely. not. But apparently they're like, nope, sing loud Christian music on the plane. Um, do they know the music they're singing is not enjoyable off the plane? Like, is it if bad? It's, it's not great. Is it like great. three chord garbage? Yes. Okay. Um, also, like, okay, if you had a choice between listening to them on the plane, uh-huh. and if they just handed out, like, free tickets to a concert they were doing, no on one fire. would take it. No one would take it. They don't get that. Like, what would their reaction be if non-Christians ever pulled that shit? Ilhan Omar, the congresswoman, posted like, I'm going to try this next time I'm, a, I'm on a plane. What yeah, do you think the reaction is going to be? I saw that. It's so... <laughs> God, I just... Forget singing. What if Muslims got up on a plane and said, hi, everyone, we're Muslims. What do you think the reaction would be to that? I'm just thinking about when I was in high school and my friends and I would take like the Amtrak into the city and we would like yeah. sing on the train. Yeah, we hate you. Yeah, I was 16. I was a fucking idiot. If I saw myself doing that now, again, thrown off the train. Yes. It would be an Indiana and Jones. And you would deserve it entirely. A hundred percent. I should have been murdered for what I did. <laughs> what does it say about the Christian message that their first thought upon seeing this captive audience in a plane is, yep, here's our chance to spread the gospel. Now that people are trapped in a tube. Yep. <laughs> Fuck. Another example I of would, how Christian persecution, so not, it's a, such a myth. It's so not real. You know what? I saw uh, years ago, there something happened in an airport and the two touring casts of musicals happened to be <laughs> in an airport. It was like Aladdin and 
Lion King, I want to say. Uh-huh. And so there was like this very sweet and short, daddy, get out of his crotch, <laughs> short video of like, oh, they sang the song from Lion King. Oh, they sang one of those songs from Aladdin. And it was really cool. And it's beautiful because it's a professional like mm-hmm. touring cast of a musical. And even then. And even then it was a 30 second video and that was probably too much. But I know that that is what these Christian nerds had in their head of like, <laughs> we're all going to sing harmoniously together. To and it's just going to be this viral moment that brings the country back to Christ. <laughs> and I truly would start crying hysterically and screaming at them because yeah. that sounds like the absolute worst thing in the entire world. Have you ever had somebody play a guitar and sing at you? To at you? an airport, yes. In the in the before we enter the plane, yes. No, no, no. I'm talking like you're in somebody's house and oh, they play guitar and, and I can't escape. Uh-huh. Oh God. Guess no, how I don't many go times it's happened to me? A lot. <laughs> I don't know why. But guys, don't That's play guitar at somebody and make eye contact with them. The They'll hate it. The whitest thing I've heard on this podcast Oh, it's so aggressively far. white. The last time I heard it was Australia, so it was even whiter <laughs> somehow. Um, I just love that don't these, do that. These people oh, think the hijacking a plane for Jesus is fine, but a rainbow flag in a classroom, that's aggressive. You got to like lay off that shit. Y'all have to tune into the bonus episode because I have a tragic story about a dude singing, a, singing and playing guitar at me, and it is hilarious. <laughs> tune in. Um, it's a good one. Jack Jens Jr., who is the pastor uh, part of this group, he's one of the guys, if not the first guy who posted this video, mm. saying, look at what we did. We're amazing he captioned it with the following he captioned this with the following jesus is taking over this flight hashtag plane hashtag fire and i just want to say never put like the emoji i'm sorry i said hashtag i meant the emojis of a plane and then an emoji of fire do not put those two together don't do that no 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 you're not supposed no sir no no sir you need some self-awareness mm-hmm so oh, I just want to thank him brother. on behalf of atheists. He's doing my work for and him. And also, this is not the point, but can you bring your guitar as a carry-on? That I was wondering the, the same in front of you. thing myself. <laughs> I don't know how he got it through. I, I mean, maybe he has, uh, what's his face, that Canadian astronaut who did uh, uh, David Bowie in space. He had like a, <laughs> a, a guitar that he like broke down so he could bring it up. So I mean, I'm not saying there aren't options. Yeah. Jesus, that man is going to just be carrying his guitar for the rest of his life and like living on this. Uh, do you remember that uh, viral video from 2022? Um, that was me. I love it. I mean, I do appreciate that a lot of Christians responded on like Instagram and stuff. We're like, do you, where, do you, none of you have any self-awareness here of none. how you look? You're making all of us look bad, which I appreciate. And I'm kind of wondering if this was like a <laughs> flight where they were not the only ones on the flight. How come no one else was like, you're not helping? Because people are afraid of conflict. Yeah, probably. And To people, be fair, that's, that's me. I would have sat there with the dude's look on my face like, what the f- how did I, I get in this? I truly mess? never know how I am going to react because usually, like, my instinct is like I would go ham on them, but mm-hmm. like, I'm also pretty conflict averse <laughs> when I'm going to be trapped with that person much longer. Usually, like, if I like confront somebody, it's at a dog park where I can flee. I have lots of exits. Yeah. <laughs> One last story here uh, because it's troubling. We've talked about this before because it comes up often. It's Christian health insurance ministries. Oh, where, yeah. And if you don't know how they work, like normally you pay jack loads of money to an insurance company. And then if you get sick, 
the company theoretically has to cover those costs or in the U.S. it's like you still got to pay a deductible (laughs) and then they'll cover costs maybe. In the U.S. they'll tell you to go Um, fuck yourself. They will. The Christian health insurance ministries kind of work like this. They ask everyone uh, to give us a certain amount of money per month or whatever and it goes into the insurance pool but the companies don't collect the cash or send it to healthcare providers, they basically reimburse you because you, Jessica, will say like, well, I was in the hospital for like my kidney transplant mm-hmm. and it cost $10,000. I'm mm-hmm. making all this up because it actually costs a gazillion. Yeah, It costs $10,000 and Christian Ministry helped me out and they'll send an email saying, hey, Hemant, Jessica was in need of stuff. So this week, you know, this month, send your check to her and they facilitate that and it's weird this does not feel like something that's scalable. This feels yeah. like something you can do with like 10 of your friends. Yeah, it's not regulated. Not all services are covered. And also the providers can cut you off if they think you're either too expensive because you have long-term problems or if they think you did something immoral. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that took me by surprise. Yeah. Immoral? Yeah. Oh, you had premarital sex. Can't cover your kidney disease, I guess. Oh, uh, well, like, yeah. Famously being slutty fucks up your right. kidneys. Right. So like... <laughs> John Oliver has covered these health insurance ministries on his show. Like, they're not and health insurance. It's gambling. what is their purported benefit? Uh, theoretically, you are not covering, like, contraception or birth control or abortion. Oh. That's why people like doing this. They're like, we are actually helping each other under the umbrella of Christ, and we don't have to give insurance dollars that end up being used to support things we don't want to support. It's the argument against Obamacare from, like, Catholic nuns who are like, what? Help women? Never. We can't sign a paper that says we want out. Signing the paper goes against our If it can't be fixed by putting her in a habit, then we don't have a solution for her. And the thing is, there are so many stories over the years of members of these ministries who have been denied coverage when they thought they were going to get it. Um, and so ultimately they're, God, could you imagine this. the rug being pulled out from under you? It's happened so many times. Like Christian <laughs> insurance companies are like Christian movies. Like they claim they're better <laughs> than the real thing. Yeah. And they're in fact so much worse. To be clear, I think all insurance companies are garbage too, but this right. is a different brand of garbage. And the thing is a couple of years ago, like States began taking action. They're mm-hmm. like, you can't, you can't call yourself insurance. Yeah. You're not. Um, in fact, This is from a New York Times article in 2020. State regulators in New Hampshire, Colorado, and Texas are beginning to question some of the ministry's aggressive marketing tactics, often using (laughs) call centers, and said in some cases people who joined them were misled or did not understand how little coverage they would receive. Yeah, but Hemant, it doesn't matter because they're Christian. Here's one example of this. This is from California's attorney general. He claimed that one of these places Mm -hmm. called Charity Ministries routinely denied claims and they spent 16 cents of every dollar given to them for health healthcare expenses. The Affordable Care Act requires health insurance companies to spend at least 80 cents on health care. Okay, where care. does the rest of the money go? Overhead? That's a very good question. Yeah, what are your overheads? Yeah. And I, it's a nonprofit or is it a corporation? Like, what are, where is this functioning? Who's overseeing there this? There are companies for profit, I believe, overseeing this stuff. Okay. Uh, but te- even Texas. Not a government agency, no, though? No. Texas sued these ministries for the basically... The state of Texas? The state of Texas said, you're, you're too much. Somebody did something to the state of Texas, so they were like, 
Now we can pull this on our yeah. own people, but you, carpetbaggers, get the fuck out of here. New York State, the complaint that they made in uh. their state against these places, said these products are, quote, affordable alternatives for healthcare. that's what they say, that provide comprehensive coverage targeting consumers who are uninsured. But every aspect of their marketing, quote, leads consumers to believe they have purchased legitimate comprehensive health insurance coverage. Right. Members are issued membership cards, and Trinity maintains a network of providers and provides a search function on its website for participating providers for consumers to search. Like, you could easily be misled into thinking this is a legit company that just happens to be Christian, and New York's argument is, but they're not. They don't do the things an insurance company is supposed to do by law. Okay. So they're deceiving people. It's fraud. So there's lawsuits in Texas, so California, and New York. The, yeah. bi- the big three. And this is the reason I bring it up this week. Okay. There was an article in Christianity Today, again, evangelical publication, that basically pointed out that Charity Ministries, one of these big companies that oversees a lot of these types of frauds, uh-huh. um, they officially dissolved in December... Uh, court liquidation documents filed in October, and I guess were made public now, okay. state that the ministry held over $300 million in unpla- uh, unpaid member claims. Wow. In fact, the- $300 million? S- This is money that people had said, I need you to pay this for me, and they still haven't paid it out So they yet. have paid out of pocket and are- And are waiting for waiting the for reimbursement, this check to come and in. it hasn't come- Charity's former president and board member, Joe Guarino, who resigned in August of last year, said he had no idea how the amount of unpaid requests went up six times from the original $50 million that the board knew about months earlier when they said, we need to dissolve our company and declare bankruptcy and stuff. And he's like, oh, it's not $50 million, it's actually $300 million. And this is the part I really wanted to get to. This is listed in Christianity Today's article. That means for this one company... Charity, we are talking 10,000 families or families or more with unpaid bills totaling at least over $50 million and possibly way, way more. And they're not going to get a dime because they participated in a Christian fraud instead of oh going with a legit, God. albeit stupid because insurance sucks. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't go with a legit insurance company, they went with the Christian one. Guess what? They're paying out of pocket for everything because they were scammed by these people who convinced them they were doing something Jesus would have wanted. Wow. It's hoof. I mean, preying on people via their religion is a pretty fucked up um, thing to do. And oh my God. Christianity is this the same Today guy noted. who did the fire festival? Because it's the same <laughs> vibes of it nobody has much. told this person no in their entire life. Yeah, very much the same fraud. Uh, Christianity Today also noted that Alira, A L I E R A, Alira, which is another company that runs these things, mm-hmm. they were found guilty of fraud in November. They wow. were forced to declare bankruptcy and they were they had to pay back millions of dollars to consumers, but millions of dollars doesn't cover what they were on the hook for. Really? So like, yeah, they did. They have to do it, but that's still going to leave a bunch of people screwed over because they trusted these Christians who said they were doing it. And again, this goes back to what we were saying a second ago. Evangelical communities often say that if you offer a Christian version of anything, it ought to be better than, you know, the secular version of it. It's never the case. Never. Is there a version of this sort of 
scheme, I guess, that is legal? Like, did they take a functioning idea and just fuck it up? Or is this always going to end in because there's no individual mandate for people to buy insurance you Uh can always gather a bunch gather a bunch of your friends and say let's just cover each other and we'll call it insurance again the the lawsuits against these companies it's not saying you can't do this in theory if you did it well okay but you're not but you're not you're defrauding these people because you're making them think they're getting insurance but you're not. It's not insurance. It's gambling. You hope you'll get it back, but you might not. It's interesting, and I don't know much about this, but I'm curious why it's, or maybe you know, like why are the states suing and not like a class action suit, like on behalf Every of the Every state actual... seems to have different rules for how they I can see. go about doing this stuff. So okay. that's why you're seeing a bunch of lawsuits from different states, specifically representing the people in their state. I see. Okay. Um, I think. Don't have, don't quote me on that. Sure. But I mean, the bottom line is these states are like you're gambling. Yeah, it happens to be a Christian ministry. Yeah. But really, we're going up against fraud, and you're doing yeah. it in the name of faith. And again, the bottom line here is companies that claim to be good conservative Christian companies and duped these gullible families. And like I've seen many comments like, "Well, fuck them. They trusted these people. That's their fault." Yeah, I know. I kind of sympathize with that argument, but also a lot of these people don't, but, they, they just trust you because you say you're a person of faith. Yeah. They put their trust in these companies yeah. and they didn't realize they were getting fucked over and they're going to end up voting for the sorts of people who allow that sort of thing to happen too. And it's frustrating, but again, don't, take your frustration out on the families who get screwed over. Mm-hmm. Take it out on the Christians who said, yeah, we're going to do this yeah. and we're going to screw everyone over and anyone who's perpetuating that. That's whose fault this is. It's not the families who got duped into thinking this is the good Christian thing to do. Yeah. Um, roll your eyes at them. Yeah. But blame the people who made this happen. Do you think that this is a case of people who always had bad intentions using Christianity as a guise to dupe people? Or do you think this is people who set out to do something good and just don't have the... And they were totally over their heads. Exactly. They were to- They had no idea what they were getting into. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think Probably, it was- best case scenario, that's yeah. pro- they were well-intentioned yeah. and didn't realize what insurance does. I do. And- I, I mean, know. I do think that's sort of like a theme in our society because there's an episode of Superstore where they basically try to do like an employee healthcare thing and they accidentally make a Ponzi scheme. And like, it's, it's the exact, the whole plot is just, we just thought, okay, we'll all put in 20 bucks and we'll pull out. And it's so much fucking rumor Trump, whoever knew healthcare could be so yeah, complicated. Yeah. People yeah, but everyone who has tried to do it. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. Watch that episode of Superstore. It's very uncomfortable. Oh, oh, sorry. One last thing that I, I didn't want to skip, even though we're running long here. Um, there was a survey that came out in Canada. Um, it's by the polling group Angus Reed, which does a lot of polling in Canada. But basically, they asked people who belong to different religious groups. Um, if we mention other religious groups, do you? Here's the question: In your view, would you say the overall presence of each of these in Canada um, does it benefit or damage Canada? Oh, so they asked, for example. Uh, people who were Hindu. Like, does the presence of Catholicism help or hurt people? And Hindus said, eh, 14% of them, net net number 14% said it hurts us. Um, whereas Hindus said the presence of Hindus helps us. <laughs> right, not surprising. Hindus. Okay, everyone said it about themselves. Sure. Um, 
for example, evangelical Christians, uh, a net 68% of them said evangelical Christians are good for Canada. But here's the takeaway. A third of Christians don't think Christians are good for Canada? That's what I took away. (laughs) Um, But what was amazing, Muslims, Sikhs, and even mainstream Protestants believed most every religious group um, offered a net benefit to society. Uh-huh. Like they were like, yeah, the presence of other groups that we don't agree with, they I'm, actually are good for our country. I'm really nervous they, for the other shoe right? to drop. <laughs> um, mainstream Protestants, uh-huh. surprisingly, believed evangelicals did more harm than good. Ten percent nice. were like, I always no. liked Protestants. <laughs> more, more said it was harmful than helpful. Good. Non-religious Canadians thought the most dominant religions were bad for society, but they actually said we're better off because of Hindus, Sikhs, and Jews. That's from the non-religious okay. Canadians. No Hindus, one Sikhs and Jews. Okay. Yeah, no one likes evangelicals <laughs> except uh, evangelicals. Group of people. Yeah, <laughs> every, every other group yeah. besides evangelicals said, "Yeah, evangelicals make our country worse." <laughs> and so by the way, like, that was also the case for Islam, I should say. But even Jews said, "No, we're better off because of Muslims in our con- community." Sure. Um, overall, Hindus and Jews loved by everybody. <laughs> that Sikhs, does not surprise yeah, me. Sikhs came very close to that. They dipped into red territory a couple of times, really? but only barely. Like, so everyone loves certain members of certain religious, like certain religious groups. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and white evangelical Christians and Muslims disliked atheists. Of course, uh, Christians had a net 43% set, uh, more said it was harmful to have atheists Whoopsie. in society. Muslims, 9% overall said it was worse than better to have atheists in society. That's fine. But everyone else, they were like, no, we're better off because of non-religious. Hey, thanks, gang. Right? Very interesting <laughs> survey. I'll post a link to that if you want to see, because I could stare at that picture for a long time and just try to make sense yeah. of everything on Wait, there. Wait, who's the nicest group? Who likes the uh, most Hindu, people? Hindu, Sikhs, everyone loves them, no, no, and they no. like Who everyone. No, no, is the nice? They like everybody. They like everyone. Okay. Yeah, just down the line. Yeah, I like most Hindus I've known have been fucking chill. And even when they didn't like somebody, uh, like Sikhs, I think were the ones they loved everybody. And even when they didn't, it barely dipped into like double digits. Huh. So like even most of them were like, okay, we don't like like a Sikh said, well, we're not fans of Islam, but only like a little bit in the red direction. But that was lower dislike than, like, all the other groups. I feel like there was a phase, like, right after 9-11 when... Canadian Sikhs are, like, the coolest. The coolest. Like, I feel like everybody discovered that Sikhs existed because after 9-11, everyone was being, like, racist against Muslims, but they Mm. kept attacking Sikhs because they wore the turbans. And everyone was like, hey, guys, those are the good brown ones, okay? Yeah, which doesn't help. Leave the Sikhs alone. Which is still racist as fuck. But it's also terrible. during the pandemic, they have Sikhs in their government. And like some of them are just like, I got vaccinated. Let me do a dance for you. And they're <laughs> such fun videos to watch. It's great. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. I'll stop it there. There's, okay. there's more. It's been two weeks, but I'll stop there. Yeah. Uh, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jess Blimke. Uh, you can find me this Sunday um, on the nonprofits on YouTube uh, with the uh, Atheist Community of Austin. My Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. Uh, Hammett, where can we find you? I am at Hammett Meta on Twitter, mm-hmm. at least for now, until Elon does something. Oh, I don't know. Oh, golly. Um, we we'll have to talk about add that. Add that in that post yeah. show. 
Uh, I, you can find me at onlysky.media. Thank you to the people in Orlando who hosted me last week. That was a fun event. I gave a new talk. I'll give that talk again with revisions. Yeah. It was, it was I, a fun group of people. Have you talked about the flavor of your talk, the theme of your talk? The I theme of the talk the is, this will surprise anyone who listens to this show. I know. That's why I want you to say uh, it. <laughs> why I'm optimistic about atheism-related things. Truly, you could have just said it Why I'm a, optimistic, period, and everyone been like, what? It was a three-minute talk, and they were very nice about it. <laughs> it was just a picture of me, thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people said good things about you to me to convey to you, as well as people who are like, I've never heard you speak this slowly, because they listen to the podcast <laughs> sped up. Which I appreciate, because I do the same thing. That's really nice, because normally when I'm in public, it's people asking, not say they're just like, is Hemant here? No, it's just me. <laughs> no did he did he send that. you? No, just me. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. It's all good. Oh, boy. All right, we'll see you on the bonus episode or yes. next week, one or the other. Goodbye. Bye.